chapter number 4, verses 12 and 13. Ezra, chapter number 4, verses 12 and 13. If your Bibles are not nearby, it is on the screen. Be it known unto the king that the Jews which came up from thee to us are come unto Jerusalem building the rebellious and the bad city, and have set up the walls thereof and joined the foundation. Be it known now unto the king that if this city be builded and the walls set up again, then will they not pay toll, tribute, and custom. And so thou shalt endamage the revenue of the kings. You may be seated. There are times that I go to conferences and I hear messages that are so wonderful that I bring them back and in my own personality allow the Lord to lead me and preach to you that particular subject. This is one of them. In fact, at men's conference Friday night, Brother Hughes preached a message You're going to find this hard to believe. I've been in church a long time. But it was the most powerful, revelational message I've ever heard. And I've heard a bunch. And they've all been good. But this one, this one was eye-opening. And so there's going to be a lot of ground I've got to cover. There's going to be a lot of names that I'm going to be trying to get out and pronounce. If I miss one, you just keep listening. If I mispronounce one, you just keep listening. All right. Now, don't be in a hurry with me this morning. It is of utmost importance that you get this message and you begin to apply it in your life. Hearing it. Liking it, saying wow to it, won't be enough. With any message that God brings you, without application, it means nothing to you. You have to enjoin it to your life and begin to let it change you and walk in that change. Today I would like to bring this thought to you. Altar, temple, walls. A four step program. Now, we're not talking about a man's program. We're talking about altar, temple, walls, a four-step program. Let me try to give you some history to this, if I may. Israel, like All their existence would live for God for a while, and then they would backslide. They would intermarry. They began to worship false gods, and God would allow them to go into bondage. And after a certain time, they would cry out to God, and God would deliver them. Here we find such a place where the prophet Jeremiah, about 70 years prior, this writing, begin to prophesy 
unto Israel about the coming captivity from the Babylonians. They couldn't believe it. He said, listen, just submit to it. What? Just submit to it. Don't resist it. And if you do that, God will help you. Well, they resisted and they went into captivity. You see, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, the prophet of sorrow, his name literally means in the Hebrew, Jehovah will rise. In fact, some of the names I'm going to break down to you, it actually uses the name Jah, which is another name for Jehovah. And so he prophesied this about 70 years ago. Now, I know I'm starting slow. Please don't get your mind dwelling on what you're going to have for lunch. Eat this first. We will be referencing three kings, three prophets, one priest, one scribe, and at the end, a cupbearer. What happened in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, listen to the word as Ivan reads it for me. Now in the first year of Cyrus. The first year of his reign. After they were in captivity for almost 68, 69 years. Cyrus began to reign. Go ahead. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. That the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Remember about 68 years ago, Jeremiah prophesied some things. I'm going to read them to you. He prophesied basically that in 70 years, God would bring them back to Jerusalem. That he would give them a new covenant. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's in chapter 33 of Jeremiah. And I believe in chapter 35, he began to say, I will never, hear me, I will never break my covenant with David or the house of Judah. Because of the covenant of the sun and moon. Mm -hmm. If you can break that, then I'll break this covenant and we cannot. And so I'm setting this so that you will understand here. They're beginning to come back because God stirred up the king Cyrus, a heathen. Begin to move on Cyrus, and Cyrus began to feel the Lord. Go ahead. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. At least he was very wise there in understanding that God had set him up, and God had done this, and God allowed his people to be taken captive. Right. Go ahead. And he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which All is All right. Judah. I want you to hear this. This is prophecy being fulfilled. This king, in his first year, God moved on him and he said, okay, go 
and rebuild Jerusalem. And you know what? I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to give you everything you need. You need craftsmen? You got them. You need money? You got them. You need materials? You got them. So you would think that everybody was on board because the king, the guy that's supposed to be in charge, made a decree that they were going to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. Now stay with me as we cover the first step. The first step in anything that you obtain from God or do for God must start with the preaching of the word. Without the preaching of the word, forget second, third, and fourth steps. You have to have the word going forth. And then the king had to be obedient to that word. And then Israel had to be obedient to that word. Are you listening to me? Before you get to the second, the third, and the fourth steps of the altar, temple, and walls, you have got to be obedient to the word of God. Everything in that book, not just what you agree with, not just what's easy for you to do, but especially those things that are difficult for you to do. And so here the rebuilding process was put in motion until Cyrus has died and his son began to reign. Now, in Ezra 3, verse 2, I want you to get this. You've got to get this. The building process was just beginning. It had not even come close to being completed. And the first thing they did in the second step after hearing the word of God was to build an altar. And so they begin to build that altar in Jerusalem and they begin to offer sacrifices, free will offerings in Jerusalem. And I want to read to you, if I may, the priest's name and what it means. Then stood up, verse number 2, Ezra 3. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Joseph. That word means he will save. All right. It is the same name, meaning of Jesus, Joshua. It means that Jehovah is salvation. The word comes forth. Then Jehovah begins to reveal himself through a priest, through a priest, through a prophet, through a preacher. And he begins to say, listen, I have told Jeremiah I'm going to rise. And now I'm bringing salvation. I want you to build an altar. So the second step is repentance. Repentance is always in the steps 
early. You can't repent without hearing the word. The altar, look up here at this altar. The altar, this altar, this type of altar is a place of death. Animals were slotted and their blood poured out on the altar. It's a place where no living thing dwells. Did you hear that? It's a place before I can go on to build a temple, I've got to die. So I come in repentance, turning away from my life, dying to my wants and my desires, dying to what my opinion is. And I die here at the altar. You understand what I'm saying to you? You shed tears, you're remorseful, you're brokenhearted, whatever the case is, but you die here. And I want you to hear this. There was no opposition from the Medes and all of Babylonium. No opposition whatsoever. No letters written to Cyrus's son when they were building the altar. You better hear me today. The devil doesn't care if you come to the altar every single moment of your life because it is death. He'll let you repent. He'll let you die. And many of us, this is where we live. We live in death. We live repenting. I know it's good to repent daily. I understand that. But you cannot live there because repentance is death. So if you're trying to live in a state of repentance, you're living in a state of death. Hear me? This is where the apostolic Christian is living today. Because for some reason, this is important. It's the second step. Never want to undervalue it. But I think we've put way too much value on this and not building the temple. Ezra, the scribe. What was the scribe's duty? Writing the word of God over and over and over. Here was a man that truly loved the word of God. He ate. He walked, he slept the word of God. Do you know that if scribe made one mistake, he had to tear the whole thing up and start again? This is what the word of God meant to him. And he said, wait a minute. What good is an altar if we do not have a temple? You didn't hear that because you're thinking of this physical temple. I'm going somewhere else with that. What good is an altar in your life if you don't have a temple? What good is a temple without an altar? And what good is an altar without sincere, godly repentance? And so no opposition came. The devil will never stop you. Never deal with you about coming and 
repenting and saying, God, I want to live for you. God, I'm sorry. God, I really want to change. Oh, God, I want to get back. Oh, God, I want to be what you want me to be. Oh, Lord God, you know it. You know my heart. The devil will never fight you over that because he'll tell you, why don't you just live there? Why don't you just stay there? Why don't you just condemn yourself? Why don't you just feel guilty about everything that you've done so that you'll never leave the altar? You see, you can't build the temple at the altar. you got to leave the altar so that you can build the temple. You're not hearing me today. you got to leave the altar to build the temple. It's a four-step program. That's why apostolics are not changing. Or they change for a moment, then they begin to revert back to the old crowd. They associate with worldly people, begin to adapt to their own slang and their own smack, and they begin to talk the way they talk. They begin to walk the way they walk. I don't know about you, but I've been called out. Hey, I'm not better than anybody else. I'm going to be friendly, but God said I'm a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, that I'm not supposed to go back and be what I used to be. Why? Because I'm leaving the temple. I'm destroying the temple because God said, I will not dwell in an unclean temple. To the man that defiles the temple, him I will. Thank you, evangelist. I don't know if you heard her. If you defile the temple, not the altar. If you defile the temple, I'll destroy you. No opposition whatsoever. No letters to try to stop them. Hey, go every day to the altar if you want. Build you an altar at home, Brother Scotty. Just live there. Oh, yeah, this preached to me, buddy. I'm going to tell you. Because there's nothing. This is a beautiful thing. This is beautiful because you can't get this number two unless you repent. But many of us are not going We're not going to step number three in building the temple because we're still there in our self-pity and our self-wallow. I'm not thinking that you should be, oh, I'm better than I ought to be. No, I'm thinking if God forgave me, I'm forgiven. Why am I still repenting for something I did 20 years ago? Why is it still haunting me? And so they laid the foundation of the temple. And there was a shout. But amongst the shout, the old timers were weeping. Because it was not as glorious as the first temple. And you could not distinguish between the shouting and the weeping and wailing. And boom. The opposition started. The devil said, wait a minute. May I use the devil here? Anybody that's an enemy of Israel, I want to take as a type of the enemy, okay? Can I use that? Don't stone me yet, okay? But the point is this. As soon as I began to say, wait a minute, okay, I'm ready. 
I'm ready to make that change now, Lord. I, I, I'm ready to be different and, and, and to do things different and walk different, talk different, and, and think different, and, and even change my environment. So I'm going to lay a fountain because you can't have anything without a foundation. So I'm going to lay that foundation. Boom! The devil's in your face. The devil's in your mind. The devil's telling you you can't do this. Oh, they're going to think you're arrogant. They're going to think you're stuck up. They're going to think what's wrong with you. I didn't say you couldn't be friendly. I didn't say you couldn't be nice. But I'm saying the Bible says touch not, handle not. Because it will ruin the temple. devil began to write a letter through these men of subjects of Cyrus's son and they reminded him now king they didn't say anything about the altar king now if they build this temple and they begin to build walls they're going to keep tribute from you the devil's the same way if they get this temple built and then they go on to build walls. I've lost them. I can no longer tempt them. I can no longer influence them. I can no longer ruin their life. Because no matter what comes, as the song we heard today, they're going to praise Jesus. I can't let them build the temple. I can't let them build the temple. I, I can't let them. Because once you build the temple, then you got to have walls to protect the temple. Did you hear me? What good is a temple without walls? So the opposition came. And the building of the temple ceased because of hardship, adversity. You see, you started good. What did hinder you, the Apostle Paul said? You started good. You repented well. And you laid that foundation. It was the best foundation. There's no concrete contractor around except for maybe, you know, Brother Luna could make a better foundation. And all of a sudden, boom, the enemy comes in like a flood. But you forgot God would raise up a standard. And he begins to beat you. He begins to bring everybody against you, your family, your friends. Everything begins to go wrong. And you begin to say, okay. Boom, you leave the temple just like it is. And you walk back to death. Because it's comfortable there. For a season anyway. And then it gets really hard. And then the devil says, don't even, don't, don't even go to step two of repentance anymore because you've unfailed. What a liar. You would think it's over, wouldn't you? But it wasn't over because there was two more prophets later on when Cyrus's grandson, Darius, was now king. Haggai and Zechariah began to prophesy, not to King Darius. They prophesied. They preached to the people of God. And the people of God began to get stirred up. And Darius went back and looked at his grandfather's decree and said, yes, we need to start and finish the work of God. And so they began 
They began where they left off. You think the opposition quit? No. It got even more fierce, but they wouldn't stop because of a little cupbearer. As a prophet took over for Ezra, he began to build with the other prophets, and then a cupbearer served Darius. Began to a cupbearer, not a prophet, not a priest, but he was of the house of Judah. God moved on him. His countenance got bad. No wonder when you, you better listen. No wonder when you don't have the temple built like you should and there's no walls, your countenance changes. And he went down there and he looked at the walls and he saw what needed to be done. Now remember, they're building the temple, but it has no walls. Why is the temple so important? Why is it so important to leave this altar and begin to build the temple, the temple of the Holy Ghost you are? Why is it so important? Because the temple is life, not dead. You didn't hear me. The devil doesn't want you alive. The devil doesn't want you new. The devil doesn't want you being what God wants you to be. When you begin to work on the temple, when you begin to build the temple, you begin to set up a habitation for God. Guess what? When you do that, God's spirit, the comforter, because you were sorrowful here. You were brokenhearted here, and the opposition's been hard. So all of a sudden, you begin to let God begin, and he fills you with his spirit, and he begins to give you comfort, the comforter. Oh, my Lord God of heaven. You're building the temple, and it can never stop. It always needs to be repaired. Do you realize this? This is true. It's hard for me to believe. But you take a house in perfect condition, and nobody lives there for a while. It'll fall apart. But you let somebody live there. Is that what happened to your temple? Nobody's living there but a dead man. No wonder you're falling apart. No wonder you're going back to the world. No wonder you begin to associate. I'm not talking about being friendly and nice. I'm talking about you'd rather hang out with people that are not saved than to make an effort with those uh, that may be in a place you're not. And maybe they're bringing a little conviction in your life. Well, that's the people I want to rub shoulders with. Give me some conviction. Let me be better. Let me work on the temple. I want more life. I want more life. I want more life. I don't want to be around people that it's easy. Because if I'm not careful, I'll start thinking like them. Then i got to go back to death. And then pretty soon I won't even do that. Because I'll think it's okay. Can anybody identify with me or is it just me? The things I used to not listen to, now I listen to. And I used to repent, but now I don't even. I say, it's okay. It's, you know, I'm just trying to. Help somebody. (laughs) You're not helping nobody but the devil. And then all of a sudden you, you go back to watching things. 
that when you watched it the first time, something got a hold of your temple. And you said, whoa, i got to turn this off. But now? <laughs> it's a four-step program. Not just hearing the word. Don't deceive yourself by being hearers only. Yeah, repentance is very important, but you can't live there. You got to build the temple. You got to build the temple. And he that knoweth to do good, can I say it this way, please? He that knoweth what to do to the temple and doeth it not, to him it's decay. In other words, hey, I'm trying to build the temple and God's dealing with me about prayer. I'm not praying enough. I'm not fasting enough. Maybe I'm not even giving the way I'm supposed to. So I'm not being obedient. I'm not letting you build the temple. I'm still trying to build the old temple that should have died and be destroyed. What did God say? Destroy this earthly temple and in three days uh, I'll raise it up do you understand what I'm saying when this earthly temple dies God's on the spot he's going to raise up a greater tabernacle not one made of dust not made of flesh but one created in his own image a new man the Bible says created in his likeness his workmanship You cannot build your own temple. Now, God needs your cooperation. If you're squirming on your seat, then so be it. Place of death waiting on you. You can live there if you want. Not me. I'm going to go there. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go back to the foundation, look at it. Do I need a little water? Do I need to do some things to kill some pests that are trying to get through this? Then I'm going to start looking at the walls. I'm going to check out the roof. Then I'm going to go inside and check out everything in there. Wait a minute now. Just yesterday, this was okay. Oh, yeah, I did that yesterday. Wow, how soon. It's got a crack in it now. You know, sheetrock looks pretty. But it don't take much to damage it. Are you getting this? Repent, yes. Repent as often as you got to, yes. But don't live there. Don't say, okay, I can do what I want to do today. I can do what I want to do this weekend. So I can repent. No, 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 no. Repent before you do it. God, I'm sorry that it even came in my mind. I'm sorry that I even wanted to do it. God, help me. Help me to live. Jimmy, I want to live. I want to live, John. I'm tired of dying. I want to live. And you live in the temple because God is life. Now, the fourth step. Nehemiah. The cupbearer. Just a servant. Just a servant. But he saw a need because God laid it on his heart. Hear me. 
the altar and the temple would be vulnerable without a wall, a boundary, or a perimeter. That's what's happened to the apostolic Christian. I'm okay with repentance, and some of us even got away from that. I'm okay with repentance. I feel good for a little while, but nothing really changes. And then you start to build the temple, and the devil sticks his ugly head in like, like, like not, but like a roaring lion, and you succumb. And then you've, let's say you get to, let's say you get the temple built, and you're doing good. If you don't have any walls, guess who can come in? You got to hear me. Antoine, you got to hear me, please. Job, what kept the devil out? The wall, the hedge. I want the devil out. I don't want to give him free reign. He may find a place, but I got a sure though. Nehemiah rolled around the wall. I got to ride around my wall sometime. Wait a minute. That wall has come in some. No, 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 no. If anything, I got to bring it out more. I don't want it in. I want it out more. I don't want to just toe the line living for God. I want to be completely inside the wall. Do you hear me? The devil could not mess with Job until God removed the hedge. But his temple was so secure that no matter what the devil did, he would not curse God. And then when it was all said and done, the hedge came back. What happened? You wonder why you're not blessed? Seems like other Christians are really being blessed because you don't have any walls. He wasn't blessed with the hedge down. He was still living, okay, but he wasn't blessed. His children got taken. Everything he owned got taken. His health got taken. I mean, he was a sad state. He even said, I cursed the day I was born, but he never cursed God. But when he prayed for his friends, when he interceded for his friends, God turned it around. God replaced the hedge. And when he replaced the hedge, now he said, I can bless him double because the enemy can't take the blessings. You, the enemy cannot get my blessings if I've got a pinch. If I've got a pinch, how did the treasures? Of the house of God did taken in the first place. Because they let them in and showed them. <laughs> there was a lot of depth in that statement there. Obedience is first step. Whether I agree or whether I disagree or. You know, you're going to find this hard to believe. I hadn't always been right. Yeah, thank you, Brother Lewis. I know that's hard for you. We talk often. But I hadn't always been right. But I can tell you this. God is true. Let every man be a liar. 
So when I build my temple, the foundation is going to be built upon the prophets, the law, and Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. I don't care about my opinion no more. I don't care what I thought I knew, what I used to knew. I don't care what my mama said. I don't care what my daddy said. I don't care what my grandmother said. I don't care what my grandfather said. What saith God? That's what I want. Temple, Junior, is life. I'm going to protect that life. As we stand this morning, my daughter come. Nothing wrong. Don't you stop repenting because I broke this down and gave you something to think about. But don't you live there anymore. Because some of you may even be fighting. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Fine. That's up to you. Nobody's going to make you do it. But you'll always be dead. I want to live. So whatever God tells me to do, that's what I want to do. That's why Peter did the four-step program on the day of Pentecost. You said, what are you talking about? Yeah. He preached. They responded in conviction. Men and brethren, what shall we do? First step, repent. Second step. Be ye baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Why? Because you are buried with him in baptism that you might be risen with him in newness of life. Do you understand that helps you create the right temple? And then he said, you need some walls in your life so you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you into all truth. The Holy Ghost, if you let him, the comforter, he'll check you quick. It's a wall. I don't know if you got that all, but I tell you, it has changed my life. I'm going to die daily, as the Apostle Paul said, but he didn't live there. The altars are open. Don't forget church tonight at 6 o'clock. Do what you feel led to do.